The Brook and Idyll From More Than Other Poems by Alfred Tennyson This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Michael Maggs The Brook and Idyll Here by this brook we parted, I to the east and he for Italy. Too late, too late. One whom the strong sons of the world despise, For lucky rhymes to him were scrip and share, A mellow metre's more than cent for cent. Nor could he understand how money breeds, Thought it a dead thing, Yet himself could make the thing that is not As the thing that is. Oh, had he lived! In our school-books we say of those that held their heads above the crowd, they flourished then or then, but life in him could scarce be said to flourish, only touched on such a time as goes before the leaf, when all the wood stands in a mist of green, and nothing perfect. Yet the brook he loved, for which in branding summers of Bengal, or even the sweet half-English Nilgeri air I panted, seems, as I re-listen to it, prattling the primrose fancies of the boy to me that loved him. For, O oh, brook, he says, O oh, babbling brook, says Edmund in his rhyme, whence come you? And the brook, why not, replies. I come from haunts of coot and hern, I make a sudden sally, and sparkle out among the fern to bicker down a valley. By thirty hills I hurry down, or slip between the ridges, by twenty thorps, a little town and half a hundred bridges, till last by Philip's farm I flow to join the brimming river. For men may come and men may go, but I go on forever. Poor lad, he died at Florence, quite worn out, travelling to Naples. There is Donley Bridge, it has more ivy. There the river, and there stands Philip's farm, where brook and river meet. I chatter over stony ways and little shops and trebles. I bubble into eddying bays, I babble on the pebbles. With many a curve my banks I fret by many a field and fallow, and many a fairy fallen set with willow-weed and mallow. I chatter-chatter as I flow to join the brimming river, for men may come and men may go, but I go on for ever. But Philip chattered more than brook or bird, old Philip. All about the fields you caught his weary day-long chirping, like the dry, high-elbowed grigs that leap in summer grass. I wind about, and in and out, with here a blossom sailing, and here and there a lusty trout, and here and there a grayling, and here and there a foamy flake upon me as I travel with many a silvery water-break upon the golden gravel, and draw them all along, and flow to join the brimming river, for men may come and men may go, but I go on for ever. Oh, 
darling Katie Willows, his one child, a maiden of our century, yet most meek, a daughter of our meadows, yet not coarse, straight, but as lissom as a hazel wand, her eyes are bashful azure, and her hair in gloss and hue the chestnut when the shell divides threefold to show the fruit within. Sweet Katie, once I did her a good turn, her and her far-off cousin and betrothed, James Willows, of one name and heart with her. For here I came, twenty years back, the week before I parted with poor Edmund, crossed by that old bridge which, half in ruins then, still makes a hoary eyebrow for the gleam beyond it, where the waters marry, crossed, whistling a random bar of Bonny Doon, and pushed at Philip's garden gate. The gate, half parted from a weak and scalding hinge, stuck, and he clamoured from a casement, Run! to Katie somewhere in the walks below. Run, Katie! Katie never ran. She moved to meet me, winding under woodbine bowers, a little flustered, with her eyelids down, fresh apple blossom, blushing for a boon. What was it? Less of sentiment than sense had Katie, not illiterate, nor of those who, dabbling in the fount of fictive tears and nursed by mealy-mouthed philanthropies, divorce the feeling from her mate the deed. She told me she and James had quarrelled. Why? What caused the quarrel? None, she said. No cause. James had no cause. But when I pressed the cause, I learned that James had flickering jealousies which angered her. Who angered James? I said. But Katie snatched her eyes at once from mine, and sketching with her slender pointed foot some figure like a wizard's pentagram on garden gravel, let my query pass unclaimed, in flushing silence, till I asked if James were coming. Coming every day, she answered, ever longing to explain. But evermore her father came across with some long-winded tale and broke him short, and James departed, vexed with him and her. How could I help her? Would I? Was it wrong? Clasped hands, and that petitionary grace of sweet seventeen subdued me as she spoke. Oh, would I take her father for an hour, for one half-hour, and let him talk to me? And even while she spoke, I saw where James made toward us, like a wader in the surf beyond the brook, waist-deep in meadow-sweet. Oh, Katie, what I suffered for your sake! For in I went and called old Philip out to show the farm. Full willingly he rose. He led me through the short, sweet-smelling lanes of his wheat suburb, babbling as he went. 
He praised his land, his horses, his machines. He praised his ploughs, his cows, his hogs, his dogs. He praised his hens, his geese, his guinea hens, his pigeons, who in session on their roofs approved him, bowing at their own deserts. Then from the plaintive mother's teat he took her blind and shuddering puppies, naming each, and naming those his friends for whom they were then crossed the common into Darnley Chase to show Sir Arthur's deer. In copse and fern twinkled the innumerable ear and tail. Then, seated on a serpent-rooted beech, he pointed out a pasturing colt, and said, "'That was the four-year-old I sold the squire.' And there he told a long, long-winded tale, of how the squire had seen the colt at grass, and how it was the thing his daughter wished, and how he sent the bailiff to the farm to learn the price, and what the price he asked, and how the bailiff swore that he was mad, but he stood firm, and so the matter hung. He gave them line. And five days after that, he met the bailiff at the Golden Fleece, who then and there had offered something more. But he stood firm, and so the matter hung. He knew the man, the colt would fetch its price. He gave them line, and how, by chance at last, it might be May or April, he forgot, the last of April or the first of May, he found the bailiff riding by the farm, and, talking from the point, he drew him in, and there he mellowed all his heart with ale, until they closed a bargain, hand in hand. Then, while I breathed in sight of haven, he, poor fellow, could he help it, recommenced, and ran through all the cultish chronicle, Wild Will, Black Bess, Tantivy, Tallyhill, Reform. White Rose, Bellerophon, the Jilt, Arbaces, and Phenomenon, and the rest. Till, not to die a listener, I arose, and with me Philip talking still. And so we turned our foreheads from the falling sun, and following our own shadows, thrice as long as when they followed us from Philip's door, arrived, and found the sun of sweet content re-risen in Katie's eyes, and all things well. I steal by lawns and grassy plots, I slide by hazel covers, I move the sweet forget-me-nots that grow for happy lovers. I slip, I slide, I gloom, I glance. Among my skimming swallows I make the netted sunbeam dance against my sandy shallows. I murmur under moon and stars in brambly wildernesses. I linger by my shingly bars. I loiter round my cresses. And out again I curve and flow to join the brimming river. For men may come and men may go, but I go on forever. Yes, men may come and go, and these are gone all gone. My dearest brother Edmund, 
sleeps not by the well-known stream and rustic spire but unfamiliar arno in the dome of brunelleschi sleeps in peace and he poor philip of all his lavish waste of words remains the lean p w on his tomb i scrape the lichen from it katie walks by the long wash of australasian seas far off and holds her head to other stars and breathes in converse seasons all are gone so lawrence aylmer seated on a stile in the long hedge and rolling in his mind old waifs of rhyme and bowing o'er the brook a tonsured head in middle age forlorn mused and was mute on a sudden a low breath of tender air made tremble in the hedge the fragile bindweed bells and briony rings and he looked up there stood a maiden near waiting to pass in much amaze he stared on eyes a bashful azure and on hair in gloss and hue the chestnut when the shell divides threefold to show the fruit within then wondering asked her are you from the farm yes answered she pray stay a little pardon me what do they call you katie that were strange what surname willows no that is my name indeed and here he looked so self-perplexed that katie laughed and laughing blushed till he laughed also but as one before he wakes who feels a glimmering strangeness in his dream then looking at her too happy fresh and fair too fresh and fair in our sad world's best bloom to be the ghost of one who bore your name about these meadows twenty years ago have you not heard said katie we came back we bought the farm we tenanted before am i so like her so they said on board sir if you knew her in english days my mother as it seems you did the days that most she loves to talk of come with me my brother james is in the harvest field but she you will be welcome oh come in end of the brook an idyll